Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the book of Daniel? The book of Daniel. Last week I asked if you knew the theme of the book of Daniel. And some of you raised your hand, and some of you maybe didn't raise your hand because you were just shy. But I hope that all of you know the theme of Daniel. And you might say, well, there's actually several. And you'd be right. There are several themes to the book of Daniel. But one of them that just keeps popping up over and over and over from the beginning to the end of the book is this, that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. That the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. That is a very important truth that is presented over and over and over throughout the book of Daniel. Now, there is another theme to the book of Daniel that is tied to our acronym we've been using, and that is Daniel's faith. So you do, can you see with me for a moment how the two complement each other? We have one theme that is that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men. That's the overarching primary theme of the book. And then Daniel's faith. Why is that important? Because his faith is in the Most High. And so it's very important for us not to miss this truth. Look with me. Let's do a little bit of a survey through the whole book of Daniel to see this illustrated. Look with me at Daniel chapter 1 and verse 2. It says there, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Do you see how this is an illustration from the very beginning that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men? From the very second verse of the book, it declares us that who gave Jehoiakim into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar? Who? The Lord. the Lord did. The Lord, the Most High, do you see it? Rules in the kingdom of men. We continue on down here, and if we see God's involvement, we see in verse 9 where it says, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Now, did Daniel gain this tender love and political position of favor and love by political clout, by political manipulation? How did it happen? It says God had brought Daniel into this place of esteem, this place of favor. So again, we see the theme, God rules in the kingdom of men, even in this point here, as Daniel has faith in his God. Well, we turn the page to verse 17, and it tells us there, as for these four children, that is Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel, as for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Tell me, who, who is it that gave them knowledge and skill in all learning? 
God did. God rules in the kingdom of men. Do you think that if you're a ruler, you're a king, you're a president, you need wisdom and knowledge and understanding? How many of you think so? I do. Sure do. Where are you going to get wisdom if you lack wisdom? From the Most High. If you lack wisdom, the Bible says, ask of God, the Most High. He gives wisdom. God gave wisdom. God rules in the kingdom of men. Now we turn to chapter 2, and you remember the history of this. Nebuchadnezzar, the great, mighty, golden, powerful king of Babylon, has a dream that he either forgets or at least wants to test his advisors. How would you like to be one of those advisors in his cabinet? You know, that's kind of our modern term. How would you like to be in his cabinet where he demands that you tell him not only what the dream means, but what he dreamed, which is impossible, and everybody knew that was impossible. And when this all comes out, do we find kingdoms with unreasonable demands? All through history we do. This is nothing new, this golden king demanding things that are impossible. And so what do we do in those times when there are demands? Well, we remember that there is one, the Most High, who rules in the kingdom of men. And we see that Daniel and his three friends knew that because if you look here at verse 18, when the news comes and the executioner comes to the home where Daniel, Azariah, Mishael, and Abednego, it's not Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are living with Daniel, the executioner has come to kill them because no one is giving the dream of the king to him. And look what it says here. Daniel comes to his companions and he says to them and asks that they would, look at verse 18, desire the mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Do these men believe that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men? Yes or no? Yes, they do. And that's why they pray asking for his mercy. God revealed the thing to Daniel as we have already learned. And if we look then at verse 20, it says that Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hath given me wisdom and might, and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Here Daniel blesses and praises God, and do you see what he acknowledges? That it is God who sets up kings, and it is God who takes kings down. It is God who gives wisdom, and it is God who gives understanding. Daniel is again affirming this truth, that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Well, if we keep on looking here, we find in the very interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Daniel declares something. If we look here now in verse 44, you, well, actually, let me review real quick. We had that image, you remember? And the head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar. The chest and arms of silver are the Medo-Persia Empire. The belly and thighs of bronze are the Greek Empire. The legs of iron are the Roman Empire. And the feet with iron mixed with clay, what we call the revived Roman Empire. 
and we see the image, but so often it's actually a tragedy. And many times you see graphic depictions of this image and people miss the most important part of the whole dream. And that is the stone that was cut without hands. The stone that was cut without hands. And this is an illustration again of how the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And of all these kingdoms that we see, we recognize that he is sovereign over all and that there is a day coming when his kingdom will be forever, that stone cut without hands. Look here in verse 44, as Daniel gives this interpretation to the king, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof, sure. This is election week. Sorry, Brother Two, I'm going to talk about the election this today. I'm not going to talk a lot about the, a lot about a lot of things. There's a lot of things we could talk about, but I'm going to tell you what our focus needs to be every day and every time we talk about or think about politics. And that is this, that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And this is certain. And this interpretation is sure. This must be our focus. And as the kingdoms rise and fall, so we must never forget this. We'll turn the page to chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar ignores this. He ignores the fact that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. He doesn't like the fact that the image had gold and silver, that he, the gold, no longer exists in the silver. He likes all gold, so he makes his golden image, and he sets it up, and he commands all the people everywhere to come and to worship his all gold, golden image. And so the people all come to worship this golden image. And you remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom we sang about earlier, they didn't bow down to this idol because they believed what God had said, thou shalt have no other gods before me, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. You're not to make unto thee any graven image of anything that's in heaven or earth, let alone king of Babylon. So they didn't bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar, the great golden king, commanded that they be cast into the furnace of fire. And before he said this, look with me at verse 15. Nebuchadnezzar says, Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but sultry, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Do you all know the answer? The Most High that rules in the kingdom of men. And that's exactly how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego responded to this king on that day as they told him it doesn't matter if he delivers us or not. He rules. 
He rules over you, O king, and he definitely rules over us. They recognized that truth when they answered the king that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. It didn't matter whether they died in that fire or were rescued in that fire. They believed they were delivered out of the hand of Nebuchadnezzar because they did not recognize Nebuchadnezzar as the great only God. They recognized that he was under the Most High who rules in the kingdom of men. God delivered them. We've already studied that story. And so we continue on. And we see after they were delivered, Nebuchadnezzar's declaration of verse 28. And again, look at his declaration, for he begins to begin, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, understand the truth. For it says in verse 28, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Nebuchadnezzar is beginning to recognize the fact or reality of what is our truth, that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. But we're not done. Turn the page to chapter 4, where we find Nebuchadnezzar ultimately coming to a realization of this truth. For he writes in verse 2, I thought it good to show the signs and the wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. And look at this, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to to generation. Nebuchadnezzar is here at this time an older man, and he has less than, oh, 10 years or so to live, if that. He doesn't know that at this time, but he begins, well, when he wrote this, he has actually like a, less than a year, but as he tells the story, it's, it's seven, eight years, less, not, not more than 10. And he writes of it, and you remember, we learned about this, the tree vision of Nebuchadnezzar, where he was the tree, and the tree was cut down, and band was put around it. Nebuchadnezzar was said that if he did not humble himself, if he did not turn from his iniquity, that judgment would fall upon him and he would live like an animal till seven times passed over him. And we know that a year after he was given this vision of the tree, he ignored what Daniel had said to him. He ignored what Daniel had said to him, and he did not believe it. And when he lifted himself up in pride and boasted of his greatness, you remember that the voice from heaven fell Upon him, verse 31, saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, thy kingdom is departed from thee. This is the Most High's decree. The Most High who rules in the kingdom of heaven. Thy the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass like oxen. Seven times shall pass over thee. And do you remember all of this was to happen until what? Until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. So the truth is, the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. We turn the page and we see dec the declaration of Nebuchadnezzar of this fact. Nebuchadnezzar finally came to this realization. For we look here and we see 
that he says, I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him that liveth forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. God, the Most High, rules in the kingdom of men. Even when we don't think things are going the way they should. Even when there's all kinds of disaster and problem, he's still ruling in the kingdom of men. And if you look at verse 37, Nebuchadnezzar again makes this declaration. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are true and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Here is the message for all kings all rulers, all governments, God is able to abase. So know him, praise and extol, and live with him. We turn now to chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar is out of the picture. His grandson, Belshazzar, as we learned last week, is king. He boasts himself of his greatness as he worships the gods of gold, of silver, of wood, of brass, of iron. He takes the very treasures that were mentioned in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 2 of Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar took from Jerusalem, and he uses those in his pagan, evil, horrific, drunken feast. And you remember that a hand came and wrote on the wall, Mene, Minel, Tikal, Farsen, weighed, numbered, divided. And if we look in all of this here, Daniel gave the interpretation to Belshazzar. And what was the significance of all of that? Look with me at verse 18 as Daniel spoke to the king. O thou king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom. Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Nebuchadnezzar inherited it from his father, and his father had built the Babylonian empire by conquest, right? Well, that's what the history books say, right? Well, no. In the big picture of things, it was not Nabonidus, the great king, or Nebuchadnezzar, the great king, who had expanded the great Babylonian empire in this great kingdom. O Belshazzar, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. The most high ruleth in the kingdom of men. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would slew and whom he would keep alive, and whom he would he set up and whom he would he put down. This is speaking of Nebuchadnezzar. And when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointeth, it, appointeth over it whomsoever he will. And look at verse 22. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all 
all this. Belshazzar knew all of this. He knew that the Most High ruled in the kingdom of men. He saw it illustrated in the life of his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, but he chose not to believe it. And so now God is going to prove it vividly and graphically to Belshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar, or Daniel, goes on to speak to Belshazzar, verse 23, but thou lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, they have brought the vessels of the house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. No matter how big of a monster may ever rise into power, don't ever forget that his very breath is in the hand of God. And don't forget it yourself. Every moment of every day, your very breath is in the hand of God. Would we use the oxygen that gives us life provided by our Heavenly Father to do righteousness or to sin? Belshazzar chose to use that very left to not glorify God. All your ways is in him. Whether things are going good or things are going bad or you are in total control or you think you are, he's in control. The most high rules in the kingdom of men. As you know, that very night in verse 30, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain and the kingdom of Media Persia, the chest and belly, the chest and arms of silver, that kingdom, reigned and gained power that night. Cyrus the Great becomes king. And then we turn to chapter 6, and we haven't studied chapter 6 yet, specifically, but I'd like to give you a little bit of an overview here. For now, it is a new kingdom, and Daniel the faithful one rises in power and influence, becomes one of the three most powerful in the kingdom within a very short time. But does Daniel allow himself to be corrupted with power? No. He has character. If we look at just at chapter 6 and verse 4, that the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. He had enemies who wanted to find something which they could pull him down, from which they could accuse him, for which they could ruin his political influence. But here you see it. They could find none occasion or fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault in him. They couldn't find anything wrong. Let's be like Daniel. Let's dare to be a Daniel, to be faithful. He had character. You know what? If you're going to be someone who is in government power or any kind of power or influence, be like Daniel. we got to be like Daniel. No matter what position we hold, whether it's a nobody or a great, We've got to be like Daniel because his faith was in God. You may know the account this is one of the famous parts of Daniel. They end up tricking the king into making a law that no one can ask anything of anyone except the king for 30 days. Well, Daniel, as his habit was, was to pray to God three times a day publicly with his windows wide open towards Jerusalem. The king was tricked. Daniel found himself being thrown into the den of lions. 
But look what the king said in verse 16. Obviously, Daniel had an influence to Darius the Mede. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. That's pretty amazing. I wonder, how, Darius, did you know that? I think he knew that because he knew Daniel. Maybe Daniel told him about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in that fiery furnace. You know, the king was disrocked. He wasn't like the head of gold. Laws of the Medes and Persians limited the king, which means that he wasn't a demagogue. He didn't have the opportunity to just rule with absolute might and power. He was bound by his laws, and once he made a decree, he could not change it. That was the situation applied here with Daniel, but yet he also understood the truth of what would happen with Daniel. And the next morning, that king came to the den, and he cried, it says in verse 20, with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lions' mouths, and they have not hurt me. For as much as before him in innocence was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Daniel had faith in God. In fact, end of verse 23 says that he was delivered of the lions because he believed in his God. Daniel knew that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men. And it didn't matter that people made a rule that you could only ask of the king a petition, but that it was to the most high. And Daniel served and worshiped the most high. And then if you look and see the fulfillment of all of this, Darius makes a decree. Listen to this here in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 25. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall even be unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Do you see here Darius the Mede declares God to be the one who rules in the kingdom of men, a dominion that is forever and ever. We turn to chapter 7, and we find the vision of the four beasts. Oh, those beasts. Remember the lion with the wings, the bear with the three ribs in his mouth, the leopard with the four heads and the wings, and that great and terrible beast? Kingdoms. Kingdoms. But if we look in chapter 7, we cannot forget what we see in verse 9. Daniel, in his vision, says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. Look at verse 14. And there was given to him, here this is the son of man who came to the ancient of days, a dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. 
All of the point of the visions of Daniel are to remind us over and over and over that the Most High, the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, he rules in the kingdom of men. And there is a day coming where he will actually set up a kingdom on this earth. And so in all the midst of all of the kingdoms, our focus is there and there, no matter what's taking place in this time. These beasts and these kingdoms make no difference. The ram and the goat in, in, of Medo-Persia and Greece in chapter 8 make no difference to us. In fact, our focus needs to really be in some ways on what is described in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9 is yet, we're going to come to it a little bit, it's fascinating, but the climax of Daniel 9 is what's called the 70 weeks of Daniel, which is a prophecy. And there's a lot of fun things about this prophecy that are absolutely fascinating, intriguing, and incredible. But you know what the whole point of all of those 70 weeks are? People sometimes get caught up about the times and half of times, about the 70 weeks and the 69 weeks and all of this. And they miss the whole introduction to this. What's the whole point of all of this? What's the whole point? Why is God revealing all of this prophecy to Daniel? Why is it preserved for us? Why are we expected by God to care? Here's why. This is given. Here you see this specifically now. We're in a time of the Gentiles. That's what all these beasts and kings are. But there's also still a plan for God's people. The 70 weeks, if we look here in Daniel 9, 24, God says to Daniel, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people, the Jewish people, and upon thy holy city, the city of Jerusalem. And look what all of this is for. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up the vision of the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. The most holy. We're looking for that day when sins are dealt with, and we've seen some of that, the end of the transgression, all of these wonderful, glorious things, and we're going to come into them later. I'm just surveying it right now. All of these glorious things that are happening, but you see the, that to the anoint the most holy, you see the most high, Rules in the kingdom of men, and there's a kingdom that he's going to set up. Sometimes we get confused with all this adventure. All of these visions, the 70 weeks, those beasts, those visions. Oh my, does it ever get complicated in chapter 11. Wow. Maybe you have a hard time with all those beasts. Can I help you? Can I help you with some of those beasts? Let's see here. Let's, let's bring it a little bit relevant. Can I have some helpers? I need lots of helpers. Um, I need two helpers to start off. Okay. Philip, you come on up here. And Elijah, you come on up here. Who's, who's oh, yes, okay. You held on. I, she's already volunteered, but she, got, she picked one. Oh, my. Tell me, guys, which one do you want? <laughs> they said, neither. Oh. Neither. Oh, sorry. Here, guys. Take these and go hold them up there. Over there. I think you guys just saw a great and terrible beast, didn't you? You see these? Tell me, in the height of these great kingdoms, did the Most High rule in the kingdom of men? Yes. So much so that neither of these exist today. 
we could argue as to whether or not their influence exists today. Their influence does. Even as we still carry things from the Babylonian Empire still today. But those kingdoms are gone. Aren't you guys glad? <sighs> speaking of, um, hmm, speaking of uh, influences continuing, let's see here. Oh. Hmm. I need more helpers. Here you go. China. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, hang on. Let's let's. Yeah, sorry, Philip. You may not like this. North Korea. We'll do the parent-child kind of thing here, right? Helpers, Nathan, come. Stand by, I'm going to save yours for later. Oh, you know who this is? White on top. Russia. And who they think is their little child. Micaiah, come here. You see the follow the point? Here, you stand. Why don't you, here, just to kind of make a, I'm going to make a political statement, sorry. Step down. Yeah. See, these are, I mean, whether or not we want to acknowledge this in any legitimacy, the point is that it's still there, right? Oh, we have another one. Who wants to be Mexico? Oh, come on, come on, James. Or, no, that's not. Walter. You're getting big. Okay, you go, you stand up there, you be Mexico. See, we've got powers here, don't we? These aren't beasts. Would you like to come up? Oh, I was going to give you, do you want Indiana or do you want to be Lady Liberty? Okay, yes. We have these world powers. You see them all? The kingdoms of men. I don't, don't, I don't, let's not go there. Glad y'all caught that one. <laughs> World powers. Now, I got a question for you. Does the Most High rule in these kingdoms of men? Yes. yes, he does. But you say, wait a minute. We got a weird form of government here and a weird form of government there and a weird form of government there and a weird form of government here and a weird one there. They're all different, aren't they? The Most High still rules in them doesn't matter what their form of government is. Could we go down a little bit? Let's see here. Ah, uh, I need some more volunteers. Who wants to be more volunteers? Come on, come on, come on. You, why, you get to be Indiana. You come stand up on this side, right over here. We've got Indiana. Okay, who's next? Let's see here. Ah, oh, come on. You will be able to represent your state, the great state of Michigan, right? You go stand up there next to Indiana. Now, let's see. Do we have anybody here who's ever, oh, ever been, lived in, or been a, from this great state? Anybody want to claim this one? Oh, come on up here. We'll pick whoever. So we've got to see states. Now, out of these three states, I'm a wee bit biased. Indiana's the best. 
Sorry. Just are. Y'all seen this flag? This is South Bend. Who wants to be South Bend? Okay, come on up. You can be South Bend. South Bend. Come stand. Why don't you stand there under Indiana? Indiana, you step up one step because you're better than the other states, so it's good for you to be up there. All right, in South Bend here. Question. Does the Most High rule in the kingdoms? Oh, these aren't kingdoms, are they? Yeah, they are. The kingdoms of men? You guys aren't so sure? Does the Most High rule these places? In these governments? Ah. I've got another one. Who wants to be this one? You want to be? Okay, come on, come on. Why don't you and your sister? I need two for this one. Yeah, both of you, come on up here. Because I've, I've got another one. Let's see. Where can we put you guys? Hmm. Maybe so everybody can see. Why don't you guys come stand right here on the pew? You got permission this time. Stand up. Stand up here on the pew. Can you stand up on the pew? There we go. Here it is. Why am I giving you a mirror? You. You. Question. Does the Most High rule in the kingdom of you? Not just as, here, let's hold this under the mirror. We the people. For actually, truly, um, let's actually make this point here. Here, Miss Liberty, come on over here. Why don't you go stand up here in front of them? Hold up the mirror higher. Oh, no, 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 you're down. Yeah, you're down. Let's get the politics here right. You see, does the most high rule in the kingdom of men, does the most high rule not just in these places, but in our own lives? We have a uniqueness in this place because of we the people. We have a uniqueness because of we the people. Does the most high rule in the kingdom of men? We have a stewardship. A stewardship means, is, is related to the idea of a dispensation. These are all different kinds of dispensations, you might say. We all have different stewardships. What do we do with our stewardship? Let me think of, uh, let's see, Michigan. You know what? This week I wish I was a Michigan citizen. You know why? I'll show you why. Here, you two Michiganders, could you go pass this out to everybody? We're going to hold an election. You can put your flags down. Thank you. You guys can all, why don't you set your flags down here and go sit down. We'll keep these three here. We'll keep you three. Just set them down in the front pew and you can go sit down. Why do I wish I were a Michigander this week? Well, because you Michiganders have a special stewardship this week. You have a special stewardship for you have on your Michigan ballot on Tuesday a question. 
shall this proposal be adopted? Shall this proposal be adopted? How many of you have ever been in the voting booth and you're reading through your ballot and you're like, oh, I didn't know that was going to be on here? So I'm giving you a heads up. Those of you who live in Michigan, this is going to be on your ballot on Tuesday. And so I wonder, how will you, how will you vote? Take a moment. Read through this proposal. This is the actual text. It was very fascinating. We went looking for this. There's lots of websites out there who were talking about this. And I was very disappointed that none of them actually quoted it. Both sides of the issue. Quote it. Show me what it is. This is official. This is what it is. A lot of times we talk about stuff and we don't actually know what it is. Look at it. What is it? Did you get anybody get messed here? Make sure. I already gave this to some of my kids. I think Mr. Thompson back there. Can you those people back in the back there? Here, go ahead and take them all and make sure. If you didn't get one, raise your hand and get his attention. You have a pen. Take a pen and mark how you vote. I know some of you aren't Hoosiers. How are you going to vote? This is an amazing document. This is brilliant. devilish brilliance. Kids, slide up to your parents. If you don't have a copy, get your own copy. Slide over and read it. This is kids, too. I like to use this as a lesson. Oh, I just gave my copy away. So we have been over and over saying that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Does he? Yes, yes he does. Now, we criticize political powers all the time, don't we? For all their decisions. Nah. It's on you. It's on you. Will the kingdom of you honor the most high in the kingdom of right now? I've debated whether or not to have you raise your hands. Did you vote no? Oh, I should put my hand down. Did you vote no? Okay. Put your hands down. Did you vote yes? Huh. All of you voted no. 
Now, let me tell you why this is so devilish. How dare you? You all just voted no to prenatal care. You all just voted no to childbirth. You all just voted no to postpartum care. Didn't you? You did. You just all said no. Nobody said yes. None of you said yes to prenatal care. None of you said yes to childbirth. None of you said yes to postpartum care. You all said no. Dear friends, there are people who will be surprised by this on the ballot on Sunday, and that's all they'll see. And they won't be able to vote no against those things. Why did you vote no? Anybody want to volunteer? Yes, sir. That's right. You voted no, not because you're against prenatal care or childbirth or postpartum care. Those are things relating to pregnancy. You didn't vote no against reproductive freedom. I mean, look, we have lady freedom here, lady liberty. You all just voted against lady liberty. Do you see the devilness of it? <clears throat> Actually, here's the point. You did. Some, you guys have some opinions, yes. Here's the point. It is about liberty, particularly the unborn, the child's liberty, the child's right to life. You see, this is why politics gets so dirty and ugly sometimes. I know somebody who's in government, and he laments that sometimes he votes for grandma's apple pie and against grandma in and and, and a bill. Same bill. You vote for grandma's apple pie and against grandma in the same bill. This is going on here. Or that's the way it's being laid out for you. It's the devilish brilliance of this. You have to read. You have to be careful. This is, this is, this, we, I've debated how much to go into. We could dissect this. There is, there is so much in here. Um, and it's about how you look at it and how you word it. You may be picked up a bulletin this morning, a, a, a prayer list. You may have seen how I listed this as a prayer request for us. Um, I was careful to selectively quote it. Pray that Michigan voters on Tuesday will reject Michigan's Proposal 22-3 to amend the state constitution to, quote, establish new individual right to make and carry out all decisions about pregnancy, such as abortion. That is a quote with carefully placed ellipsis. This bill has nothing to do about reproductive freedom. It has nothing to do about caring for women. This has to do with giving the right to people in the state of Michigan to murder their babies and to overturn any laws that conflict with it. That's the point of this amendment. This amendment is not about reproductive freedom. It is not about prenatal care, postpartum care, childbirth, any of those things listed. It's about establishing a right for people to murder their babies. So, will you recognize that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and that God is the giver of life, and that God has given babies life, and to take such instant lives away is...
constitutional right to murder babies. <laughs> but many people do the wiles of the devil and the devilish brilliance of the writing of this will see this as affirming freedom. It's not what it is. Some of you I know have lots of things you'd like to say. That's good. Amy, you had your hand up. Do you still have something you wanted to share? Yeah. She pointed out the way that it's worded. It's as, it's as if we don't have freedom in all of those things and don't have all those other things. And we, state of Michigan, they do have all of those things. They do already have them. This isn't establishing it. It's already there. Brother Chu, you had your hand up. Right. That's correct. That's right. Yeah. If you were to look at the wording of this, you could argue that this is to affirm the individual right to reproductive freedom. I hate using their terms, but um, affirming that it's it is it is. Prenatal care, I mean, I'm speaking of their prenatal care and childbirth and postpartum care in particular, those. The others we could debate and controversial, but those just are universal. Um, are, 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 are rights that God has given. And if the state wants to acknowledge them, that's one thing. But to establish them is another issue. Good point. But now, let me for a moment, thank you, Lady Liberty, Thank you, we the people. You can just set it down here. When you vote this week, when you talk about politics, when you listen to politics, beware. I will be perfectly blunt with you. Politic discussions oftentimes are about right now. We've forgotten the ones in the past, and we're ready for the next one. I'm ready for the next one. Beware that your focus is on the high king, the most high, and your focus is on the future, what he has revealed. There's a lot of controversy over Christianity and politics. There's a lot of controversy in Christianity about prophecy. This is perhaps the biggest reason why prophecy is important because our focus is to rise above. I mean, just to put it again in perspective, I put them up here. Were these important issues to get involved in? Absolutely. The beasts are changed, the flags have changed. But the Most High hasn't. His truth hasn't. And his prophecy of all the beasts or the flags that will come is all to make us look to that stone cut without hands, the ancient of days, the Son of Man, his kingdom that will come, and all these will pass away. 
and we don't like who gets elected on Tuesday, remember that the Most High sets up even the basest of men. He's in charge. Yes, we get this idea, we the people are in charge. We have a stewardship, just like Daniel had a stewardship. But we're not in charge. The Most High is in charge. And we praise and we glorify Him in no matter what happens as we are faithful stewards. And can I turn you to chapter 12? Before I go to chapter 12, real quick in chapter 10. Chapter 10 of verse 19, Daniel is spoken to and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. You know, Daniel was troubled in his day of the beasts too. In his day of the image changing. And he had to be reminded that he is greatly beloved and to fear not. So here's a lesson. You, as a child of God, are greatly beloved. Fear not what happens in the kingdoms of men, and recognize that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. And now, keep this before you also. Chapter 12, verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame, and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. My dear brothers and sisters, when you are caught up in a political discussion, do not forget eternity. And do not forget the eternal state of those you are talking to. Why would we needlessly offend? Why would we needlessly insult? Why would we belittle those who one day will shed tears, weeping and gnashing of teeth in the lake of fire? Let us not mock those tears. Those will be real tears. It won't be snowflake tears as the joke is. They'll be real tears. And so often, we get into this us versus them. And the real truth of the matter is, is that there will be a day when there is a resurrection and some will be resurrected to everlasting life. Some will be resurrected to everlasting condemnation. If our politics do not recognize this reality in fact in every fiber of it, our focus is broken. Our focus is broken. It's not us versus them. Our focus is to recognize that this world's in trouble. People are in trouble. People need the truth. And as we give the truth, the most important truth we can give to them is that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and that his dominion is from generation to generation forever and ever. And that every one of us are sinners on our way to the lake of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever? And do we proclaim and turn many to righteousness? Do we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he loves us and died for us and is not willing that any should perish, 
do we proclaim the truth? Let's keep our politics focused. Use your stewardship. <laughs> wow. The privilege you have. All of us need to recognize the most high rule within the kingdom of men. Use your stewardship, but never forget. Never forget the focus and priority is on our great God and what he wants to do in the lives of man. Great God, we bow to you and give thanks to you. You are good. You are the most high. You do rule in our kingdom of men. May we acknowledge you day by day and know you. May we be filled with your spirit and wisdom as we conduct ourselves as citizens in this place, knowing that our citizenship is in heaven. Our focus and priority is with you, Lord Jesus. And so as we continue in this life, may we know you. And may our focus be upon you. And Lord Jesus, save the lost sinners. And may we be hopeful witnesses of your glorious grace. We commit ourselves to you and pray these things in your name. Amen.